Hey folks, we're back again uh, with the Retro Rides podcast. This time we are joined by Simon Coulson and Dan Haynes because we are here to discuss uh, car ideas and builds and projects and things. So Simon is joining us because, well, we have to. But um, also he is a fantastic uh, illustrator. He's built a number of projects and is obviously overflowing with ideas. And Dan has joined us because he is the only person I know that seems to complete an inordinate number of projects and has a huge depth of knowledge about modified cars. And I'm here as a cautionary warning. So um, welcome, guys. Uh, welcome, Dan, for the first time. Hello. Hello. Who's, who has been lying to you about my depth of technical knowledge and my ability to finish projects? I, I didn't say technical knowledge. Um, I just said you know stuff about cars. Uh, oh, okay. And hello, Simon. <laughs> Hello, and Dan's selling himself short. He, the thing is, is he finishes cars without telling anyone he's even started yeah. them or something. It's just, he doesn't like to be internet famous, so he builds cars yeah. for himself, I think. That's his thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. right, where to start? Where to? Well, actually, where to start is probably uh, a good start. Um, I'm going to start off with just like... Let's let's start at the project end of things because we could be here for days just talking about ideas and stuff like that, which we will get to for sure. Um, but um, I'm going to start with uh, Dan and say, if you're yes. thinking of a new project, where do you start? What are you looking at first? How does it go about it? Well, I I guess it's it sort of comes from. You could see, you know, you could see uh, a car on social media or on, you know, on a forum somewhere or something like that. It could even be on a, on a movie or a, or a program that you've seen on the television um, in completely stock form. Uh, it may remind you that the vehicle exists. It might, might be something obscure that you've forgotten about. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've done it in the past. You look at something and it just pops up and you oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen one of those in ages. And then, you know, you're... The brain kicks into gear and it's like, you know, there are things you could do to that to make it cool or even cooler than it, it already is. Uh, and things start happening organically from there, I guess. Um, I, I don't know whether I've actually you know, purposely gone out to, to find a car and then thought about, I found this car and, and what, what could I then do to it? It's sort of almost the, the other way around. You get a theory about what what type of build you want to do and then think about a car that, that fits it so you're sort of doing it arse backwards almost yeah no that makes that makes sense um simon you have have a few builds under your belt but also um uh, half a ton of ideas so yeah, where, where do gonna... you where do you start do you start with the car the modification the style what, what are you starting at it's, it's a different thing because i have to do this kind of as a as a job um to a, so every month I have to think of a car to build and then build it literally there and then. Uh, luckily, only in illustration form in most time. But I, I think most of it is like a head full of ideas as well. A lot of the time there's there's those rules and unwritten rules. So you can sort of go, is it a cow look? Is it going to be a, a low rider? Is it going to be somewhere in between? That sort of stuff. And then it's about the, the best base model. Sometimes the base model is what gives you the idea. Sometimes the idea needs to find something to base it on. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it's 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 in your head already. I think Dan will agree with me here in that you've there's like a million builds in your head that you you haven't done yet. 
uh, and oh, sometimes good, yes. the right car comes or it is yeah like dancers you see in a film where you see a you might see a post about some super cool new car that's turned up on some japanese forum or something and you go wow that looks really good that would work on a triumph 2000 and then you might look for a triumph 2000 or you might see a triumph 2000 and think what do people do with those what other cars are like that so i think a lot of it is about ideas in your head um it goes to my knowledge has been i've been looking at cars since i've had eyes essentially and so even when i did stuff like the cressida it was i always knew what cressidas were they were always at the back of my mind um and i've always thought they're a cool design like even now i look at new cars and think i like the shape of those um like those there's those little protons i can't remember what they are now because i'm an idiot the one with the kink in the back window um you're always thinking i always want one of those i'm going to do one of those one of that day and and just when it comes that it's time to build a project or you've got a bit of money and a a box to tick you know i need a small car that runs about then that's when your mind goes ah oh, those protons are cool i might you might do one of those talking about a, a savvy i am that's exactly what i'm talking about you're, you're the man savvy. yeah yeah um, and sometimes, sometimes, as Simon says, you uh, sometimes you just have to work with what you have. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you had a if you had a need for a car and something came up cheap, you don't necessarily consider is this modifiable. You just sometimes have to go. I need a cheap car. There's this cheap car available, and then once you've got it, you can sit back and go, oh, "What can I do to this to make it cooler?" So yeah, does budget um, come up early or late for you guys? So. I'm always, like, when I consider what I'm going to get next, there's always how much am I willing to spend on this in regards to um, what type of car it is. If it's my daily driver, I'll probably spend a little bit more and get something a bit more modern. But once I'm there, I've got a budget, and I'm like, well, do I actually get something a little bit cheaper than that and then throw some money at making it more interesting? Um, or do I find a more interesting car and then save up and modify it? Like, where, whereabouts do you start considering? Uh, and also, really, I guess, in terms of how much modification you're going to do, wh where's your budgetary constraints come in before or after? Budgets first, isn't it? In my in my my thing, I definitely am thinking of the cheapest way to do something, not with illustrations, but with my actual cars. I'm thinking um, I want these boxes i want it to be small or i want it to be economical i want it to be fast or i want it to be able to fit the family in any of those considerations and then i think i'm going to have like a thousand pound to spend um and then you're thinking uh, i think the next question is what pcd is it almost always that's the that's the next question it's no bob it's no good buying a, a car that you can't afford wheels for or you can't get wheels that fit or you haven't got any wheels in stock um for those that have a stock of wheels um recently i was looking for potentially a new family car and or you know a car that i can do all my stuff in and the fact that i had a set of wheels in stock um narrowed my choices down to some volkswagens in fact um but i'm selling those wheels now huh. <laughs> <laughs> for me it's it, no it's it's budget hasn't really been a consideration when i've when i've uh, looked at uh modifying anything it's more been the accessibility to the bits that you're able to use to modify it so it's you know can you buy coilovers for it um and yes obviously uh when you start looking a bit deeper into it you say can i buy some 200 pound ebay coilovers of it of, um, for it rather than some thousand pound jdm market only coilovers but the but the first consideration is actually Am I able to do the modifications that I've thought about to this car? Um, yeah, that's probably why you finish cars better than Simon and I do. 
I don't know what you're saying. I just don't do very much. That's the key. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think probably on our team of people here, Dan's probably got his hands dirtier than us. But neither of us are, are trained mechanics or anything. Um, I actively don't enjoy working on cars because of my success rate. Um, usually, they just end up on the driver for too long while I ring friends up um, asking how to do stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's a really important consideration that Dan has mentioned. Actually, is that um, knowing your limits is is a key to getting a car yeah. finished. I certainly wouldn't consider myself any more particularly technically adept um, than either of you two gentlemen. I just have a good resource base that I, I work with <laughs> in the form of the other guys at, at Tab. I mean, uh, and I know we're going to get onto like specific builds and, and and ideas later on. But if if you look at any of the cars that I've open quote marks built close quote marks close quote marks they've they've pretty much been wheels and suspension which which is is in the 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 technical realms of most people and you know if you look on a show field or go to a car show you're looking at 75 80 percent of the cars there are gonna be wheels and suspension yeah i i have a great deal of dislike for anyone that tries to gatekeep modifying by saying oh it's just wheels and lows that's not a build that's nonsense like wheels and lows is as much of a build as anything else because where i always i'm gonna i can have a rant about this for days but um <laughs> I, I i get annoyed with people that are like oh well i did an engine swap or whatever it's like yeah but like hot rod people build their own chassis and like do their entire bodywork like where do you stop like are those people able to look down on everyone else and say well you didn't you know hand build this or cnc cut your own wheels no it, it's everything is everything is a build as far as i'm concerned um, yeah just I, I, so, some of them are more complicated than others and as you say the majority of builds are wheels and lows and then some accessories and that's great uh, it keeps it open and everyone can join in yeah, a cool car is a cool car, isn't it? That's it. And I think um, I never understand those people that look at a, a cool car and go, wow, that's a great car, and then set about building that car. Like, I'd never look at a, a car in, like, if I was building a car and I saw the same car and I liked the colour of it, the last thing in my mind, in fact, I'd go, oh, no, someone's already done that, and then I couldn't yeah. do it. Um, and that's horrible because sometimes you end up with a car you didn't want, and so <laughs> I suppose you should be able to do that. But... I, I I always look at a car and think that's great. What can I do different that encapsulates some of that? So I suppose as people with a a bit of a wider view, as I think all three of us count as, and so do most retro riders. In fact, you can look at a car and think I'm going to do that to another car or do it in a different way. But I don't get those people that just go. If you just got a, a field full of mark three golfs on air and wheels i can get why you can sort of say that's not good um but that's not what we're looking for is it you want a, yeah. a field of other things on air and wheels i've got no problem with that i think that one of the uh points there was a kind of inspiration from other people's builds and that's a hard thing because like you can look at other people's cars and go oh man i love that i wish i owned it um and then like if you build it yourself i, I don't know i it's it's a weird thing because uh, in in the abstract it's like well someone's got a car they enjoy but from um from my point of view i don't think i could be happy owning someone else's car um i always think that modifying cars is a bit of a self expression it's a bit about what turns you on and and how you look at a thing and what you would do to it 
Um, so a case in point is um, Nick uh, Allen of Low DeLorean and Volvo P1800 fame um, has as a, his daily driver a uh, Mercedes CLS on air ride uh, in exactly the spec I wanted to build one. And now I don't own that because someone already built it. And um, <laughs> I, I would like to be driving around in that, but I can't because someone did it. Um, so that there's an interesting consideration there, I think, in that what already exists out there and what you're bringing to the world, um, finding novelty. And I know that Dan's actually uh, uh, seems to pull it out the bag with um, with interesting uh, cars and wheel fitments and stuff. So, so do you consider what other people have built when you're building, Dan? Um, not particularly. Um, probably because most of the things that I've I've put together don't necessarily exist so much because I, I don't have any brand affinity. I've owned all sorts over the years uh, and the sort of things I do, again, because they're more for, for me than for anybody else, you know, the, the base model that I've chosen or the modifications that I want to do are also very personal. So it tends not to be something that anybody else has done before and that's by no no way saying I'm any kind of trendsetter or putting myself out there as, as wacky or unique. It's just, again, I'm just building stuff for me. So it's it's personal to my own tastes. So, yeah, one of the things I like to do is encourage people to just get involved and get stuck in. Um, but from actually goes a little bit to, back to what Dan was just saying. But I mean, the very first time I modified a car was when I chopped my springs um, or more to the point, Simon here chopped my springs on his driveway the day before a retro show in 2006 or something. And it was on my Datsun, which is still my project car. But that's kind of evolved out of all proportionality. But that first step, that first step into doing something, I think is quite a big step. So for people that are kind of getting involved or getting into this, where where would you start? Knowing what you know now, what would you start with? And I'll start with Simon on this. I would start small. I, I suppose you know the kind of person you are when you start these things. But And some people just amaze me as their first products. They're just amazingly well finished and stuff. But um, you know what you want is you want a car that you can use and you can drive because this is about... I know people like the build, but the people you want to talk to and the other things you want to see are out there at the shows. Um, they're out there at the pub meets and at the cruises and stuff. And you want to be out there being part of it to... to you know get in with those people so i think just a, a really cool base car and then make sure that you think about what you're going to do quite carefully because you don't want it's not just you know stickers and stereos um it's you, you've got to have, have to think right i'm going to do these wheels i'm going to do the suspension i'm going to cruise it around for a bit and not take it all apart and do an engine swap i'm sure there's some people that can start with an engine swap but i wouldn't i'd get a cool car out and about and and decide what you want from it and enjoy it you've got to be enjoying your hobby um i think so yeah start start small and finish it what do you reckon dan yeah i'm i'd agree with simon there um i think it's uh don't try and stretch your own abilities if you're if you're starting out grassroots and this is going to be your first build by all means, have a vision in your head of this amazing car that you want to build eventually. 
where you're chopping the roof off or swapping in a bigger engine and things like that. Um, but if you don't have any experience of doing that, then yes, start small. Start with something that's accessible. So start with something that has coilovers off the shelf or or, you know, or even just lowering springs um, and start to learn from there. And then once you, once you start building up your confidence um, in, in the technical abilities, if for example, the coilovers that came off the shelf don't get the car low enough where you want it to be, then you can start looking at other options, maybe custom building some suspension for it or modifying some suspension that was meant for another vehicle, which gets you that lower stance. Don't try and overstretch yourself. You know, there's not uh, there's no time limit for you to build your ideal car. Give yourself um, plenty of time and use that time to build up your your skills base, um, and use the yours use your first build as as, as an experiment really to say, you know, how, do I understand how this particular thing that I am trying to modify on the car works? even if it's incredibly at grassroots level, that you're trying to figure out what diameter, width and offset of wheel to put on your car to give you the, the look that you want. You know, if you want to go flush or you want to tuck the wheels in because you want to go really low and still be able to turn the steering. So start getting your head around those sorts of relatively simple things about what, what are the numbers I need to understand so that the wheel ends up where I want it on the car. And, and then uh, that's, just start actually... building up from there. That sort of information is it's kind of so fundamental and people that have built many cars still get wrong. Um, I, yeah. I, and I'm including myself in that. Like I have a stock of wheels, but I have a stock of wheels mainly because I still don't know what size and offset and everything I actually want for the looks that I'm going for. And what I'm trying to find is hard to find. But at the same time, if I, if I knew more when I first started, you know, investing in wheels, I'd have probably got it closer to right first time um so yeah understanding those numbers e even if it literally is just changing the wheels is kind of super important um i would say from my experience as well is to look at what you have um available to you to work on the car so the first couple of cars i worked on were my camper van and a 66 beetle which my wife ran um but we didn't have a garage and I had a toolbox that lived in a cupboard under the stairs that wasn't very big. So um, I couldn't really do much on any of them. Um, eventually I got a council lock up, but by that time the, the camper van had gone and my uh, and the Datsun had, had moved in. And even then with the council lock up, um, I couldn't really work on it because there was no power and stuff. So I, I would definitely take stock of where you're at in your life and your abilities. That doesn't mean you can't work on these cars. It just means that um, you're not going to be able to maybe do jobs where you like engine out jobs are a complete no-no if you haven't really got a drive, unless you're an absolute mad person. I'm sure there are mad people that have done engine swaps on, on the road, but um, I think I've seen photos of them. But, and like paint and stuff like that, you, you, you have to understand, as you say, uh, uh, the limitations. Uh, I think Simon kind of pointed that out. Uh, of, of both your ability and what you've got available to you to work on these cars but that's where things like um collectors like tab come along or when i went around to simon so so being out and about and finding people can really push forward your first sort of couple of builds but you need to be out and about to find those people i guess yeah i, I think one of the things there is we're talking about um uh 
you need to think about the space you've got available as well and stuff. If we're talking about this being first projects and stuff, we could potentially be looking at some 20 year old kid and the last your car hobby is not going to go well. If your mum's saying to you, when are you going to get that thing off the driveway all the time? Or your wife, I suppose, if you're a grown up. Um, not the 20 year olds aren't grown ups. Um, we're all old here. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it. it the, uh, my fear here is that you end up with a stalled project. You end up with a car that you just hate or that costs you money and you're not having the fun out of it. Just going back to what you were saying, uh, David, I can give you a couple of examples. Um, I had a Mark I Opel Ascona um, and I purchased a Mark uh, a 1.8S Opel Manta as an engine donor. And I had no driveway and no garage. And I pulled the engine and gearbox out of the banter, um, curbside on the street, wheeled it round to, to the back of the Opel Escona and put the engine and gearbox in the boot and bungeed the, uh, bungeed the boot lid shut um, whilst I was <laughs> waiting to, to, do, to, do more, to do more work on it. And it just sat on the side of the road with this Manta engine and gearbox hanging out of the boot lid for about six months until the council took it away and crushed it. And, I've and got I also... this story. I've, I've got the same story. I had a oh, sorry, I've, I've jumped yeah. in. Um, I had an HB Viva, um, which uh, you read it on the internet or not at the time. You read in magazines. You can just swap in the two point three slant four, and I thought I'll have some of that. I went out and bought a two point three Magnum, parked it. Um, literally end a row where there were some shops a park in a shopping parking space um, and then left it there until the council took it away and all I did is nick the Rostiles off it once but yeah uh, I definitely didn't have the space for that car or the abilities so uh, uh, a 2.3 Magnum disappeared uh, by the council um, that, so from this story don't buy General Motors products and leave them on the other side of the road or don't buy a chrome bumper Lada 1200 estate that was missing a starter motor. Attempt to tow it home with your friend's Mark One XR2. Um, snap the tow rope and have no other means of towing it back and get that taken away by the council. Yeah. Sorry, there's an interesting thing there. Again, is your ability to actually get a car home is also quite important sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you don't know a friend with a recovery truck, don't go and buy a barn find project where it's got no axles on it, and <laughs> unless you fancy sort of like renting a van and carting it home piece by piece. Yeah, I've got. A, a well, my... Talking of you leaving a larder, if we're talking about eastern eastern block cars, and I don't know the statute of limitations of this, on my old S one ten R used to eat drive shafts because of the height, and uh. I was driving along one day and on the side of the road was an earlier still with the tombstone up like upright lights and uh and they had the s110r gearbox for the first couple of years like in conjunction with those lights i think that's how you can tell the early models and it had a a tow away notice on the window and i thought there's my drive shafts and that rear panel would be pretty cool and uh, later that night i got some friends together we went and collected that car and uh <laughs> took it home <laughs> so i think we could call that stealing a car you stole the car to modify it i think what that really <laughs> is is um is the council were going to take it away and they didn't but the owner probably just left it there for the council to take it away and the council thought the owner would come and got it um so if I you're the that's... council or the guy with the estelle um that was me and uh thanks that's just that's an early that's an early form form of repurposing and recycling rather than letting something go to waste. 
it's very modern. I think they did the right thing for society by um, taking that Estelle. Um, and the Tombstone Backlights ended up on the repeat as well. So uh, a very good all round. Um, but the th- imagine the time where there's Estelle's laying around on the, on the road anymore. Yeah. No, in, indeed. My first lowering job was done out in the street as well. I had a, um, uh, a, a Nissan Laurel. Um, and at the time I, re- I rented, I was in a house share with a rented, rented room and there was no driveway and I had no garage. And so I literally ran an extension lead out of the bathroom window, down across the pavement, across the road to the other side of the road. <laughs> and, then w- and then with an angle grinder, chopped the springs in situ in the car. Good Lord. People listening to this, do not, do not. Oh, yes. I'm not, not, I'm not, is that not, not how you did your Datsun, David? We did it. We did it in situ, but we we'd at least like jacked it up and and taken all the weight of it. But also, you did it, and if you died, oh, I just... didn't really care. Yeah, I, I did use spring compressors to free up the the piece of spring we were removing. Um, but that isn't the right way of doing it, obviously. Um, actually, this brings no. me on to an interesting thing. So, one, I, I've got um, uh, there's a question which will come up, which is about the hardest jobs on your project, which we'll I will deal with momentarily but my kind of answers for that to, to, to dovetails nicely was the first time you do anything um it's pretty much other than those like really annoyingly hard jobs it's always quite hard but those things get easier so we didn't take apart the suspension properly on the Datsun because we'd never sort of really done that before there was a point in my life where I was taken out apart in about 20 minutes every few days whilst I was trying to work out what height I wanted some spaces that were in there. Um, and so that went from a job that the first time I did it, one side took me, I think, probably nearly two hours because I'd never done it before, had to find all the right tools and work out what I needed to undo and referring back to the manual and making sure I didn't kill myself or accidentally break a brake line or whatever. But then after a while, I was, you know, I was just whipping apart both sides of that suspension in probably about 20 minutes um, and putting it back together in less time. So um, that that's an interesting thing, I think, for people, particularly if you're building to begin with, or if you're at that frustrating point in a project where you're doing something and it's just taking forever. Like, that's kind of true the first time you do it, and then it gets easier. Um, so uh, for, for all you people out there that are at a point of frustration, um, it does get easier, which sounds like a motivational speech. But um, uh, what's, your, what's your hardest job, Dan? Let's start with you this time. What's the hardest job you've done so far that's made you just basically want to cry? The, the hardest job I've completed so far, the hardest job at the moment is finishing one of my very first project cars that's still 25 years in the making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what i keep doing is buying other projects and putting them in in the front of it in the queue yeah yeah that, that, yeah that's an interest that's an interesting point actually we, we should uh we should come to that the the uh the not boredom but like getting distracted by other things but yes anything that has had you throwing spanners across the garage not not so much spanners and it's and it's something that's so fundamental that people will scoff at this but um, I don't know if anybody remembers the uh, the very low um, Seattle Rose I did about five or six years ago that came to Retro Rise Gathering in, in satin red. Um, but we it, it had very before we before we painted it in in bright red uh, graffiti paint. What we actually tried doing because the paint was really badly burnt, sunburnt. We tried wrapping a roof 
in vinyl, myself and, and Andy Hinks, hardcore. Um, and you would think, it being a relatively flat panel, that well, vinyl wrapping's easy, right? You see all these people with vinyl wrapping really complicated shapes all the time. And we made a complete pig's ass of it, time after time after time. Yeah, and we... I think that's one of those things that's an actual <laughs> skill that people on the internet, they go, oh, I just pull this across and then I wave a hairdryer at it and it's perfect. And then when you try it, you just want to die inside. Yeah, I mean, I, li I... literally, we had a whole bunch of uh, attempts of trying to vinyl wrap this relatively flat panel uh, and made it complete and utter balls up of it. And therefore, we completely stayed away from vinyl wrapping anything until about two weeks ago when I tried vinyl wrapping the Volkswagen badge, the VW badge on the front of my up. And I, and I watched lots of instructional YouTube videos because obviously that's a, a modern way of, of learning things because there's a video for absolutely everything on YouTube. And there was a video of some 12 year old kid wrapping a Volkswagen badge and making it look very easy. So I tried it and it went even worse than and many swear words were issued uh, uh, which attracted the attention of my fellow um, tab inmates <laughs> I think they thought I was having some sort of mental breakdown well, you're pretty close but, but, but genuinely of, of all the things that I've attempted that was that was that's been one of the hardest things to do so far yeah it, it, it's, it's those weird little jobs that sneak up on you um, Simon are you there you're now here twice Cool. Yes, I disappeared on one of them, but there is, you know, I'm, I'm that good. Um, yes, I have had uh, every job I do is difficult. I think I can take wheels on and off these days, all right, but I fear any job that involves more than that. I have this habit of becoming the, the greasiest, dirtiest person within moments of doing anything. If I think, oh, I'm going to do some work on the car, I'll open the car door and the door handle will somehow make me bleed. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I don't know and I, I've, I think a lot of this is experience and having the right tools and having the time to do stuff because I guarantee you every job I do will go wrong almost instantly and leave me with no means of getting to the shop to fix it or to buy the part that or borrow the thing that I need every single job goes wrongly for me um, I find it very difficult uh, yeah, I, do, I, 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 I call it my tab friends uh, well that's the thing I, I find that um, th there's a couple of things to to unpack there um but um i would say that i have a similar thing everything i, I touch all the nuts and bolts seem to be seized and all that kind of stuff and having the right tools to get those undone has been uh a godsend and i wish i'd done it probably about 15 years ago um and the other thing is the urgency with which you need a car to work so a lot of my earlier project cars so so my old alpha and the volvo uh, vws and stuff um i needed them to get me to work on the monday because i only had one car at the time and now i have a plethora of cars if something's broken i'll just use one of the other ones and it's taken a lot of um pressure off which has given me the space to learn to do more things um but it's also conversely given me the space to not care if they're finished which is why the porsche has been in pieces for the best part of six months because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's in pieces but really i should be out there driving it and enjoying it but i'm not because it doesn't matter um so i, I think there's there's sort of two pressures at play there but um yeah not having the need to have a car working on a monday morning actually does give you that little bit of leeway to learn a little bit better so having a project car as a second car is definitely a um a good thing um i would suggest
you know, I think the right tools is is a brilliant um, thing, and it's something I've only learned recently. There's a couple of times now because we've got the access to YouTube and forums and stuff that we never used to have. You you had the Haynes manual and hopefully a friend, but now you can look at nearly every job you're about to do on YouTube first. And if there's something that just says, I did the, um, this is a simple, this isn't a modification, this is just fixing some brakes. Um, I did the rear brakes on my combo and I bought a brake wind back tool, um, which wasn't very expensive and came from Amazon, I think. Um, and it transformed the job. I've literally for years been trying to push back pads using all sorts of horrible methods and uh, probably damaging things in the process. And if I'd have spent that, whatever it was, 21 pounds or 15 pounds or something on day one, instead of trying to go around it, because I wasn't going to do it much, I'd have saved myself a load of trouble. Simon, was it was it the old G-clamp and water pump pliers method? Yes, it was just any method I could. It's just the uh, first time I discovered you had to push the pads back, I was in the middle of the job, and then I was probably trying to do it with my tongue or something. I don't know. It's, a, uh, it's one of those things. Like, oh, you get to a part that a mechanic, a, you know, a proper mechanic or someone who'd done it before would just go, "Oh yeah, just do this," and just reach to the toolbox and grab this thing they've made specially, and uh, just yeah. do you know that's tool number seven four seven. Yes. <laughs> I've just thought of another example of, uh, and and again, the, t- the tad guys, if they're listening to this, are probably screaming at the screen or their phone or whatever. Uh, when we uh, when we lowered my um, Peugeot partner van, the rear torsion bars were a source source of wailing and teeth gnashing and skinned knuckles. Um, they would not come out for love nor money. Uh, we tried making slide hammers and all sorts, uh, and I, I think it ended up lasting about three weekends worth of separate work just trying to get the torsion bars out the back and resulted in Philip removing the entire subframe, putting it on its side, putting an enormous amount of heating it and smashing them out with the sledgehammer. Bloody hell. I seem to remember I was looking at getting a, a van. I like to have a van in my life. And I said to Dan, I said, I'm thinking about it. You've lowered a Berlingo, haven't you? This is the research before the project. And I'm thinking, they're all right. I hope that fits the criteria. You've lowered a Berlingo, haven't you, Dan? And he went, yeah. he went, yeah. I said, well, what do you reckon? And I think he, I think he might have punched me. I can't remember. I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely didn't buy a Berlingo never, after that ever, conversation. Ever, ever. Nothing with torsion bars. I will never touch anything with torsion bars in my life again. That's it. I've done a. Um, I was this. This actually harks back to your lowering story and the doing things um, first. I did. I lowered my first Morris Minor lowering. Um, uh, my old. I had a van. Morris Minor van. And I lowered that. And the first side, I think, took me nearly the whole day, and um, and the other side, because I'd worked out the technique, took me about half an hour, I think. And that's yeah. that example of do it one side. Um, the the best part of this story is when I let it off the jack, it didn't go down very far, and I'd accidentally raised it. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, um, l- luck- so luckily, um, it didn't take me long to to do it the right way. <laughs> that's excellent. Hold on. I, th- I think um, what we've something we've we've touched on here. I think circles back to one of your original questions, though, David, was there's the uh, the young modifier and, and where do they start? The fact that we were talking about YouTube videos and things like that. The fact that there is, you know, and I know it comes into every conversation that you have about anything. It's like, isn't it marvelous that we have the internet? And and but it genuinely is because you can look up 
YouTube videos and you can look at forums and get advice from people of how to do the modifications that you'd like to do and you can do all the research up front. It's not like 20 years ago that uh, all you had for reference was probably a, a Halfords catalogue or something like that with bits and pieces and you'd like, oh, I'd love to be able to fit that to my car, but you wouldn't have the first clue about how to go about it and what the end result was going to be. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely um, it's definitely an interesting uh, place we find ourselves. In fact, actually, this this kind of moves on to a thing that Simon and I have discussed briefly, and I, and I think I've probably come up in the podcast before. So I had um, a bit of a bee in my bonnet, actually, about the internet ruining car modifications, he says, as one of the people that probably is partially responsible for that. Um, and I've slightly changed my tune on it. My, my thing with uh, the, the internet and cars and all that stuff it's it feels like the world of car modification has become quite homogenized so i can look at a car and i can't tell whether or not it's built in new zealand hawaii japan france i can't tell where it's built there, there seems to be a fairly common look to particularly like obviously the modern stance scene if someone's got a really nicely turned out mark 5 golf on rotiforms on air, I'm, other than the number plate, I have no idea where that's come from usually. Whereas there used to be a world, because we were also separate, because we weren't quite as well connected, um, that all these scenes kind of grew up in their own countries without people being really aware of them. And uh, and then suddenly the internet exposed it and everyone was like, I really want some Hayashi street fins and stick them on my uh, Datsun or whatever, because suddenly every they were everywhere. Um, but I kind of disagree with that now. And it, it, it does circle back into the, the how we're building stuff in that I think you get these kind of hyper-localized scenes now. And Tab is a good example of that. But I think also like the Hillman Imp guys are a really good example of that as well. In that you find a group of people that you sort of build cars alongside and with, and they enable you to try new things and also inspire you to to try new things. So if I'm looking at building a car now like there would be a world in which i'd want to build something quick and if i wanted to build something quick i think what would dan do to this and i'd build a dan style car did, did that like did that make Don't any sense that. or am i talking outside of my neck no it's it's good to have a a, a bunch of friends i think and you can meet friends um I've, I've, I've i'm sorry to mention the voxel combo again i was driving along the other day and I saw a Vauxhall combo I recognised from one of the internet forums, and he'd posted a picture of it um, on another thing. I put, I saw this today, it was really good. And now I'm friends with that guy. Um, and so, you know, just being out there and building cars and driving cars can get you a group of friends that can become friends for life and can help you with the things you can't do. Um, yeah. They, it's good. I, I, it, that's really good. And yeah, and as a group of mates, you can turn out maybe a bunch of cars, like those guys rolling in in two CVs or rolling in in a bunch of Hillman imps, um, is a, is a, it's a good look. And I, you'd feel really good to be part of that group. And you're only going to get there by sort of getting on with it, aren't you? Yeah, I think actually sort of where Dan's thought had kind of triggered my minor rant about the homogenized scene was actually that the internet has enabled more people to build more things because I can just yeah. look up how, how do I lower this or, or what wheels will fit and stuff like that. Although I have a um, cautionary word for that, uh, in that, um, if you look on a lot of forums, there's a lot of people saying how to do stuff that quite clearly don't know how to do it. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So you can have a lot of advice. You can get a lot of people say, oh, well, what's the biggest wheel I can fit onto my Corsa or something? And then someone comes along and says, oh, I've got 18s on mine, but they're cars at standard height and they probably rub and they're lying. Um, so I think you need to be able to read between the lines as to who you should listen to and who you who you shouldn't. Because um, as you know, Porsche engines go straight into Beatles. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. uh, but they don't necessarily... Um, unless it's a Porsche engine that probably came in a Beetle. I remember Nightmares Racing um, doing the um, Isuzu engines go straight into um, Cadets thing. And that guy's built more than a few cars and knows what he's about. And it took him months. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think straight in is the correct answer. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, you, those can, you, you can drop it don't... in the engine bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in, it's in bay effectively. Being fitted are two things. <laughs> That is very, very far removed, as I, as I well know. <laughs> there is actually a, 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 a almost that sort of cross-contamination of car brands and breeds and stuff. Um, it's, it's quite good to do a little bit of research about when these cars came out, who they were built by and with and stuff. It's the reason that um, a lot of people started using Lotus wheels on Toyotas. Um, that was, you know, I was sitting there one night looking at not even stud patterns, but just the fact that, Toyota and, and um, Lotus developed the Supra together and realising that actually there's quite a lot of part sharing under that and I think actually in these days of even more badge, en- badge engineering than the 70s um, you're quite good to sort of go well hang on that car underneath is one of these um, and you're more likely to get things right that you'll you know you'll think well you know I need a you can buy a, a Sharon and use the cheap coilovers available for something entirely different and get away with it. So it's worth yeah. doing a bit of research and looking for those those crossovers, but not necessarily listening to people who say things are a straight fit. Yeah, the um, coilovers that are on my uh, Volvo are for a Mazda 3, because they're the same Because they're focuses. Yeah, they're full focuses underneath. Yeah. And um, But that they were cheaper than the Ford parts. Mm. Uh, which is hilarious to me, but there we go. Um, good, good to look out for that kind of stuff. It's actually a, a good thing to kind of look for as well. Uh, Dan, I know you're, you're a bit of a uh, uh, done a, a bit of this stuff where you know that something is platform engineered and from something else, and you're like, well, I can get coilovers from that thing for this thing, even though they're not advertised in such a way. You seem to you seem to have a knowledge of that. Is that just kind of from research or just general kind of knowledge that you've gained across the course of cars? Yeah, it's it's more to do with, yeah, it's not something that I've, I've necessarily figured out myself. Um, it's been more, it's been more the research side. But so for example, when I, when I lowered my um, Seattle Rosa, um, the, the shocks in the rear, um, the mountings are absolutely identical to a Corsa C. Um, but the factory shocks are like four inches shorter, so you can ah. just you can just you can just use just buy a pair of Corsa C shocks uh, and some short springs, and you're golden. You don't have to go to the expense of buying a set of coilovers. That can be all it takes to start the project. Is you can you can just sort of like be thinking, well, hang on, if that's that, then I can do this because um, it's you know stuff like oh, Ford KAs actually fit five hundreds these days. So, the modern ones, yeah. Yeah, so there's all sorts of 
clever trickery there that allow you to build a very different version of either of those cars by using completely off-the-shelf parts um, and doing a bit of a scene crossover. And yeah, there's loads of stories like that over the years. I think, don't people do Rover 75 using BMW bits because of some early crossovers? Yes, E39 5 Series. Yeah, that's enough to start a project. Just to, just to take advantage of a, a little trick like that um, is enough to start the brain whirring and then suddenly you're driving around in a super cool Rover 75. There's such a thing as it does. It, uh, it certainly does. There's been several very cool Rover 75s. Uh, and again, just to tie Robin in... A... Bartlett. Is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. his, his, yeah, his yeah, wagon. The Twinings T-Wagon. Yeah. There's been a couple of nice um, sedans done as well. Uh, and that kind of ties in like two points that we were discussing earlier. When I built my um, that turquoise Honda Accord um, that I brought to the gathering a couple of years ago, um, coilovers for that if you actually went out and, and tried to find some CB Accord coilovers you could only find them from one specific company in America and they were like a thousand pounds and I paid 30 pounds for that car via MD on the forum or one of his dodgy Partix trade-ins um, but we were saying about adapting um, suspension from other models and also doing your research and the ability to get research from all over the planet i went on the internet uh, and did some googling and if you use uh, some ek civic um, coilovers with some eg civic um, front coilover forks they'll bolt onto a cb accord and so i managed to put together some extremely low suspension for the accord using some um, second-hand bits combined with some cheap ebay coilovers so actually, some time spent at, at the laptop rather than in the garage can pay off dividends. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure, well, which for sure. goes back to what I was saying earlier is like, you know, uh, if, if you're starting out, do the research, build, build the car on paper first, the sort of things that you want to do to it, um, rather than going, oh, well, I've got this cheap base car, but the only coilovers that are available are £1,000. That's way beyond my budget. Yeah, that's a, a, a good advice. Also, that that's a thing that you can avoid being put off a project by as well. Like, I know I've kind of looked at cars and gone, "All oh, right, what parts can I get for this?" And everything is infinite pounds. And you're like, actually, that's no longer something I want to do. But perhaps a little bit longer researching, I might have been able to find a um, a, 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 a cheaper solution. I've certainly done that on cars I've, I've kept, like the initial. Um, looking around, I've gone, oh, that's quite an expensive set of suspension. But actually, after a little while, I realised that um, there were alternatives. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, definitely agree with that. So let's go a bit more abstract. Let, let's have a look at um, where our ideas are coming from. Um, so what is, what is your main source of inspiration for a new build, Daniel? Oh, it cut anywhere I could have dreamt of something. As I said earlier, I could have just spotted a, a cool, uh, you know, a cool, completely stock car on TV, and then ideas to start popping into my head. Um, again, it's got nothing necessarily at the time. My dream car, if you want to call them, or my the, the ideas that I come up with uh, aren't based on my own technical ability at all. It's just. Oh, look at that. Wouldn't it be really cool if I did X, Y, and Z to that? That would be a really cool thing to drive around in. 
So it's, it's are, you, more, it's, are you looking at the shape and comparing it to, to other things in your head? Is that, that kind of where you're at? Or is it just literally... It's know, not even like, that. I know... I know we've had this discussion before about, you know, you could apply some really cool um, classic JDM modification traits to a Triumph 2000 or something like that. And no, it's not even really come from that. It's just been, I've seen a car and then my brain goes into overdrive and goes, oh, you could do all of these things to it and have this this crazy looking thing at the end of it. It's not even this, I've seen this car and it would lend itself to a particular type of modification or a type of styling so you're, you're thinking really of the uh, end point which i think is probably key and the reason why i am a cautionary warning um when i started on the datsun i wanted it to be about 19 different things i wanted it to be a race car i wanted it to be a street car i wanted it to be a ts cup car i wanted thought about doing engine swaps and, did, and i never had a focused end point um, it may be that the uh, the difference, uh, the damn difference is that you know where you want it to end up at the starting point. Yeah, I think I think it's I see a car, I immediately somehow come up with an end point. <laughs> so what it's going to look like in the end, and then I have to consider, okay, but how am I going to get there? It's like if it's if it needs to be ridiculously low on the floor with enormous wheels, I have to think. Well, is this a monocoque or is it a separate chassis? So we're going to have to think about doing a body drop on it or doing just you know something ridiculous about a floor pan swap or something. All of these things which are immensely out of my scope of talent, um, but you know you have a resource pool to to pull from to assist you in those sorts of things. But yeah, it's not it's not. It's not, oh, here's this car, now let's think of the baby steps I'm going to use and then come up with an end product. It's like, here's a car, here's the end product. Okay, is this actually physically physically possible or you know, feasibly possible within my, within my scope of the car itself? If I'm trying to fit 24-inch wheels onto the Yugo, for example, well, they're, just, they're not going to go on. <laughs> you'll, have more wheel than, than, you'll have more wheel than car. But, but yeah, there's like... Exactly, but it's like start point, end point, and then think about everything that goes in the middle. Yeah, I, I think that that is, uh, if anybody's listening to this, that's definitely a, a good takeaway from my own experience is to know where you want to get to. And actually, this goes back a little bit to the stuff I was talking to Rob Richardson about. Like when he starts the car, he has this story or he has this end point that he wants to get to. As he's starting it, he's not making it up as we as he goes along, and I suspect a lot of the projects that get interminably long are partly because the focus isn't there on the end result. It's just about getting the next modification done and the next modification done. So, oh, I'm going to get it low. Oh, I'm going to change the wheels. Oh, I want it a bit lower. Oh, I'm going to do, redo the interior, and like none of it sort of hangs together by the time you get to the end point. Um, whereas Simon, who is a man who surely now um, has an endpoint for everything because he draws them before he starts, so uh, theoretically. That's not a bad idea, drawing them, although you kind of nicked. I was thinking what my answer was going to be, and it was actually going to be, as you did, uh, referring to Rob Richardson because he gave us a little insight into his brain, um, and I, w- I listened to that podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, and it just sort of slipped out a little bit because he said, oh, I was thinking about it. The 2CV he describes at the end, and I was with him thinking, that's a cool idea. 
and he was building a sort of a an off-roader 2CV type thing. But one of the real key ingredients, which makes him, I don't want to big him up too much, but kind of the genius car builder he does. He's, I mean, he does simple stuff, but he just gets it exactly right. And it only takes a couple of tweaks to make something really special. And if you noticed in the, in the list of things he described for that 2CV, um, the last couple of words he said were gravel bikes. Did you hear that? Yeah. When he said it? And I think that's that's a real key to how to be like a true maybe innovator or just build the right cars every time is his influence came from somewhere totally different. But when he said that, I was like, as someone also who might be considered someone with an ability to think of projects, I just went, oh, and I knew exactly what he meant. And you can just think, hang on a minute, he's going to build that. And, and suddenly all your colours and your materials have just been handed to you by something completely different. Um, and I like to have a, a theme for something. Um, I don't like to do the same build, but I like to have, if, if you're going to dechrome something, then you should properly dechrome it, you know, or, or have a good balance of stuff. And it's things like that. You just think, well, I'm going to do all the chrome black. And then you do all the chrome black, not leave a bit of it, unless you're being yeah. really, really clever. And, uh, uh, get your ideas from somewhere else i think that's a really good idea even if it's it's either from another car scene or from something else entirely i'm not talking about do a orange county choppers build where you think oh it looks like a helicopter i'll build it like a helicopter um but, but to take a, <laughs> to, to, to uh to, but to do it subtly and to literally just go gravel bike in that list of ideas summed him up really well and i think we could all take a bit from that even if it's like your favorite colors from something or yeah just i i've wanted to build a car well a pickup that kind of looks like it should be the transporter for my bmx for many years mm. just because i like the colors of my bmx and but it, it's not just the the frame color there, there's like lots of little detail color on my bike and i was thinking actually that's a really good starting point not just because it matches a thing I already have, but I'm attracted to that and the colours it is and all that kind of thing. But also somebody probably far cleverer and a much better designer than me has already thought through like the matching and contrasting colours and textures and stuff on that. Um, and I can just take that idea and run with it um, on another vehicle. It's a very nice idea. Yeah, I think you're bang on there. I think I did a design um, for a van that was based on it. In fact, I've done it, I've done it twice, don't tell anyone. Um, like a rally burner color scheme because it's just sort of iconic and even that you think right so i'm going to do it is a you know a white car with a, a blue and a red and a yellow stripe at the back which just works really well because it's an old race thing i mean it's kind of the voxel dtm colors as well but not only that when you take that idea and you think right okay so i've got this sort of bmx theme going along and i'm not going to write bmx all over it but then if i did some like cool five spoke wheels that look a bit like skyways from back in the day then there's some BMX guys that are going to go, oh, look what he's done there. He's done, he's done a tough burner there. That's really cool. And then some other people are just going to see a great colour scheme. So it's quite nice to merge those things. And now we've just told everyone to build cars like bicycles, and I'm confused. Um. <laughs> it's a, but it's not about, but it, again, it's not, not a bad thing. But also you can, you can take somebody else's pre-conceived colour schemes and, and stuff, and it... And it it, it can improve your ride until you're like confident in the point of right now I know what I'm doing with my cars and, and everything I'm turning out looks great and I and I understand a bit more of where I am like cause even as somebody that's owned a reasonable amount of cars and fiddled about with most of them 
I'm not particularly confident that the stuff I'm building is any good. And I, I don't think it is. But I think if I get a few more simple builds under my belt where I've taken some of this stuff, um, I think there'd be a bit more of a, a confidence in what I'm doing. Um, d does it help, Dan, having had a bunch of rides that you kind of put together quite quickly? And did it give you a bit more, I don't know, a bit more of a swag to, to what you're doing? <laughs> I have never had swag in my life. <laughs> you define um, swag. Don't, don't definitely don't, don't define swag. No, um, I mean, I mean, if you looked at some of the really early stuff that I'd sort of cobbled together, uh, it was um, questionable. But you know, we all have to start somewhere at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I have, you know, I have a relative amount of confidence now surrounding getting real fitment to a reasonable standard and setting up suspension and adapting suspension from other things. I, I, ha I still have much, much more yet to learn um, that I will learn uh, on the projects that I've been working on. Um, yeah, so that, that's actually one of my, my uh, questions. So what's your, what's your current project and what, what's your end point for, for those? Let's start with Dan seeing as he has the big, big project. I am, well, the big project um, is my um, 1979 Osmond Cutlass that um, I bought many many years ago uh, and the project has advanced uh, to a point that I've removed the front panel and sold the engine and gearbox to somebody else how's that going to end up where are, we, where are you going it, with it? it in the background um, over many many years I mean I bought it in the late 90s um, I have been accruing bits and pieces um, originally, when I first bought it, I was very much into the lowrider scene, um, and I was part of the Unity Lowrider Club. Um, and I'd had a, um, I'd had two actually Mark II Granada lowriders. Um, the original one was um, Paul Ambler's Orange um, lowrider um, that many people may have seen in in uh, Street Machine, and I think it popped into Custom Car at some point as well. Um, and then when that got quite rusty, I pulled the suspension out and put it into another Mark II. Um, and I had a Toyota Crown as well that was also going to be made into a lowrider, but uh, sadly never got that far. So I was looking for a traditional American car to build as a lowrider. And, and the, the, the 78 to 88 G-body Monte Carlo, um, Pontiac Grand Prix, Oldsmobile um, Cutlass was, was uh, one of the de rigueur lowrider cars uh, and I found this 79 Cutlass it was up in Newcastle it was a reasonable amount of money and I had all these plans about putting on hydraulics and getting my friend Colin at Custom Colours to paint it uh, sparkly silver with lots of graphics on um, it never transpired um, again keep buying other bits and pieces and putting it in the queue in front of it and, and in that time my tastes changed so now um, for the last 10 or 15 years, it's been more focused in being a, a pro touring style of car. So it's going to have uh, an, an LS something or other engine, an LS3 or an LS7 or something like that. Um, it may or may not be on air ride. I have air ride for it, but that may get repurposed somewhere else. It may just be on coilovers. It'll be on large diameter wheels. It'll be a single stock standard paint colour of some sorts, probably a dark metallic green um, with, a, with a very nice modernised interior. So it will be a, a classic shape of car but with modern running gear. 
Perfect. And the nice. ability to chuck it round a track um, as, as and when I see the need to. Uh, that, uh, that sounds like an absolute delight. Simon, what you up to? Uh, I, I literally what would you like to build? My, my, my current projects are actually about consolidating stuff. Um, I'm trying to cut back on stuff. And I know actually a bit of this is going on at Tab at the moment in that I'm just selling off some wheels that I'm never going to use or hopefully never going to think about using um, and trying to make my rubbish little daily van. Uh, I'm just trying to sort out a sort of a look to it and selling all the half looks I've nearly built. A load of wheels are being sold on Marketplace. Gosh, that's fun. Um, so, yeah, it's about actually clearing the garage and just staying on the road with what I've got. Um, so I don't have any projects in mind i wouldn't mind like a 2cv van or something um if someone gave me some money to build something i'd build a slammed 2c van 2cv van um, yeah, um it's interesting you're consolidating your project after sort of half half formed ideas which is actually what we were just talking about really yeah. is that that kind of you, you can end up getting a little bit lost in your own project because it's not particularly focused on anything um, yeah i've i've got for my van i've probably got I've sold three sets of wheels for it, um, and actually, I do have a my my plan for it at the moment is that I'm going to have multiple sets of wheels for it, um, but deliberately. I know that sounds really weird, doesn't it? I'm changing it. I'm going to change the stud pattern on it so that I can use uh, Volkswagen wheels on it, and then I'm going to buy up uh, when I can some cheap Volkswagen wheels because it's a market that no one cares about four by one thirty wheels at the moment. Um, Although I've said that, the price will go up now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to sort of have a. Uh, I'm going to. I've already got a few different sets of wheels in that stud pattern, which I plan on hopefully getting. T like, so I've got some tyres on all of them, and I can just change the look really easily. Um, which uh, is a weird, a weird scenario, isn't it? I mean, a van with interchangeable wheels. That's my That's plan. Right, that's nice. That's yeah. a nice look. Yeah. Um, um, the wheels turn yeah. up pretty cheap on eBay in that stud pattern, so I'm hoping to take advantage of that for a little while and have some different looks. Cool, I like that. I'm um, hoping one day to finish the Datsun. Um, yeah. That's that's with Gob still uh, at Custom Restore. Uh, the last thing it needs on that to get it properly back on the road is the rear axle needs to be stripped out and put back in because it was put in so appallingly uh, last time. The welds on it are shocking. Um, so uh, that's happening in August. Um, the Porsche, which I don't didn't plan to be a project, but now it kind of in my head is turning into one. I'm like looking at wheels and suspension and all of that kind of stuff, and I probably shouldn't because um, it's all quite spendy and that money could be spent on something else and I could just have... I'm not going to get... I know. But it, it, it looked pretty cool. Um, so um, I'm kind of umming and ahhing about that. But my plan at the moment is a little bit like you guys, a bit of consolidation um, of cars. we got probably a few too many cars. Um, and then I'm going to get something. And what I really, really, really want to do is a very quick project. I want to build something, probably just wheels and lows, that I can turn around in a couple of months and just burn it around a few shows Um without it being the massive project that the Datsun is, and then probably just sell it on to someone else to enjoy and do it again. But I'm very jealous of Dan's ability to, to do that 
and also very quietly that he does it as well. But uh, and and he's not the only person. There's loads of people out there that will just build a car for show season, and I have never done that, and I kind of really want to. I just want to have something fun that I can then sell. Whereas I want to stop doing it. Oh, sorry, Dan. Um, uh, you touched <laughs> on something very briefly there, um, where you talked about your project being at someone else's workshop and i wanted to very quickly say about if you're building a project i don't think you should be scared of the the, the people who say oh built not bought and all that if you want to spend money to get your car on the road bloody do it yeah. uh, uh I, I i if someone told me that they bought some coilovers and took them to a local specialist and had them fitted i'd be like your car looks great mate i i don't agree with built not bought and all that if you build something then you're a hero in my book. But if you buy something um, and don't claim it was your work, then I've no problem with that either. I think. Yeah, the, that, the built and um, bought thing is a weird thing because I think it moved away. I mean, its original definition was from, I guess, in the hot rod scene, in yeah. that people would just buy finished rods and take them to shows and get collect the prizes. Whereas it's now seems to get bandied around by people complaining that someone has taken their car to a specialist to get worked on like it's a bad thing like well like i can't do any of the body work on my car i certainly can't do i have no capacity either in time or really ability at at that time to get the um engine swap done nicely turns out the person i originally took it to also didn't have that ability but there we go um uh, but uh it's, it's not an uncommon thing. So, that, yeah, if you're going to take your car somewhere, take it to someone good. Um, but um, and finding that's quite tricky. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the, the built or bought thing, doing everything in your own garage, unless you're John Beardmore, it doesn't bloody matter. So just get your car done and get it out there and, and enjoy it. Um, he says, as a man with a Porsche that's been in a garage for six months unused. Um, I, I think that the... Uh, the, the build not bought in terms of like buying somebody else's complete project like as long as you're not claiming it you did it it doesn't really matter i think i think it, it, it people it gets a bit dicey when people are like oh yeah i built this um and i have heard that um uh, about from people that have bought cars to retroize gathering somebody else has bought the car and then they've tried to tell me that they built it and i'm just like no I, I know where that came from i know the person that built it so didn't you definitely didn't, didn't. Dan have a car that got featured in Max Power with the own the person who bought it off claiming he built it. Is that right, Dan? That was uh, that was Fast Car Magazine. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know, you know, whether it was just a, a bit of miscommunication there, but yeah, the um, the 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 ED sedan that I built with the Jeep Cherokee wheels, um, I sold that and got contacted by um, Jules the editor of fast car about two weeks after i sold it so saying would you like to have it featured i'm like i haven't got it anymore but i'll gladly give you the new owner's details if you still want to feature it um and then it was featured and the way that the copy read was that i restored the car to a solid condition um, and then the new owner did all of the modifications but i suspect that may have been some some uh, mistranslation somewhere i don't think it was done with any particular Venom, um, or maybe that's just me being too generous, or, or, nah, or the kind, or the or the kind person that everybody knows that I am. You are a delight. Um... <laughs> I'm still just before you go any further. I'm still. I've got this alternative universe in my head where Dan is a restorer. It's just. It's just. It's something making me smile about this flat-capped version of Dan restoring things. Uh, it's just oh. really hilarious that he's the kind. Imagine a Dan, not our Dan, but a different Dan that. 
bought old eighties Honda Civics and restored them. <laughs> I just, I just exactly. think that's such a, a niche market that anyone would oh, do yeah. a f- flat cap Honda Dan. I like it. I, I think I'd like yeah. that Honda Dan. Too. Yeah, Honda Dan. oh brilliant. <laughs> uh, that's superb. Um, right, I'm gonna uh, we'll wrap up in in a uh, a few minutes. I just right future plan like a little little dream project. Someone's given you I don't know three and a half grand. Go and build something. What you're building, Simon? I was all right till you said three and a half grand. I'm gonna say. Um, three and a half grand I'm going to hopefully find an old French van um, and I'm going to lower it a lot and not do much else hopefully um, in good condition my aim for that would be to have something that was cool that I could probably sleep in at shows and didn't cost me much to get there so I love economy in cars I know it sounds strange the idea of spending £20 to get to a show instead of 100 really, really tickles me a bit um, and I'd like to buy whatever car it was in, that would hopefully have some sort of you know good look to it that means I wouldn't have to paint it. So that's my three and a half grand. Hopefully, is getting me a maybe two and a half grand knackered Renault four van or a really knackered two CV, and then I'd just lower it ever such a lot um, and drive the nuts off it. Perfect. There you go. Dan. I, I, I'm knowing I'm really coming into this podcast. I made a list of my dream builds that have been floating around in my head for years, um, cool. but they're all kind. They're all kind of quite high budget, uh, and also <laughs> uh, have <laughs> have skill requirements I still do not possess. Um, but I'm just I'm looking down the list. The one that's probably most achievable for for that budget um, was that I, I'd always quite fancy building a salt flat style Mark II Jetta. Oh, nice. So very low. Well, uh, if it was in the if it was in the full uh, remit of scope that I thought about, it would be um, either a two door base, or failing that due to availability, chopped into a two door, and be roof chopped as well in the salt flats theme. But that's probably not quite so attainable um, for the for the budget. So let's keep it a, a stock height four door Mark II Jetta, um, ridiculously low. Um, slightly nose down with salt flats style graphics and those um, quite nice salt flats, salt flat kidney bean style alloys that uh, moon eyes do. Not moon discs. I thought you were going to say moon discs. I was so sure. No, no. No one, no one likes moon discs, Simon. Moon, especially, especially with vinyl on. Oh, yeah. God, I said myself, I wasn't even doing it deliberately and you guys have got me. Damn. Damn. <laughs> But no, no, the um, the the was it the Hallibrand style kidney beans, yeah, um, yeah, salt, yeah. salt flat style wheel, yeah. salt flat specials. So yeah, I think that would be just about achievable for three and a half k. I know Mark II jetters are going up in value. Yeah, I, I I had a when I just posed this question, my immediate thought um, was an idea that I'm stealing off Simon um, because he, I don't think he's either drawn it, but we had a conversation years ago about taking like a UVA fugitive. And doing it in a full-on resto cow style, so properly trimmed and paint the um, roll cage like the, the like a baby blue type VW colours and dropped on fuchs or um, gas burners or something like that. But now I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure you can get a UVA fugitive for three and a half grand. So um, maybe not, maybe. But that 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 would be my answer. I would I would I would look out for um, such a thing because um, they do pop up with like MX-5 engines and stuff a little bit cheaper than the VW-based ones. 
Um, but, but yeah, I really like that idea of taking something to an, in an inappropriate direction for what you're actually basing it on. Um, and I and I think you could roll into Vault's World Show and um, turn a few heads, which I think is quite difficult nowadays. Um, so yeah, that that would be my slightly cheaper build, um, but I would have to probably do most of it myself. So I'd need to learn to trim seats. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Uh, I've been looking at getting some seats retrimmed for uh, for my daily driver, and that's quite a lucrative uh, lucrative market. I think if you can get into trimming seats and have the ability to do so, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a good uh, career to have. I'm trying to remember what your current daily driver is, Dan. Uh, oh, that's the up GTI. It's not really relevant to right. this okay. discussion. Right. However, if you do have a if you do have an up or um, a city go or what's the other one, Dan? Seat. Oh, the Seat Me. The Seat Me. You can go to yeah. Uphouse and get parts for it, and you should do that because it's cool and all of that stuff. And there then you go. Dan will use the money to fix his cutlass. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> inevitably buy another project just to stick some wheels and suspension on it and put it in front of the queue again. Yeah, yeah, quite. Get distracted by something else. It's always the way forward. So, how about the? Uh, how about the? We've we've talked about that. If we had the three and a half k budget, uh, what's what's folks' um, money no object dream build? Well, you know uh, mine. Everyone knows mine, don't you? Do we? <laughs> yeah. It's the, the prevler. The entire. It's the what? <laughs> it's the prevler. It's a an egg shaped Toyota Previa with as much of a Tesla I could fit underneath that I could. It is essentially a very fast, very economical Toyota Previa, the best car ever. Thank you very much. That's it. Nice. Um, I'm I'm going for probably a Di Tommaso Pantera because they're my very favourite car in the whole world. Early shape, um, and probably. It's not even like a gentleman cafe racers look because it's somebody that can afford a Di Tommaso Pantera, but like all of like retrimmed biscuit interior, um, probably been the engine and I don't know it's fairly obvious, but LS it because they're obvious for because they're good. Um, I don't want to go insane. I don't want like thousand brake horsepower. It just be like super usable, um, you know, power steering, proper resto modded Di Tommaso Pantera really. Um, but it being me, if it, money was no object, I'd probably just tell Retro Power to build it because then I wouldn't have to get my hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be Dan, it would be finished as well. That's just the thing, Dan. If I if I extract one from my list that that has been on my mind for many many years, it would be a uh, Wolseley twenty two hundred straight six Land Crab, um, completely stock appearance on the outside. Um, in gloss black with all the chrome and the bright work, but um, on air suspension and large diameter billet wheels with a nice oxblood red interior. Ooh, nice. Oh, yeah, that sounds very exciting. I like I'm that. Gonna go, I'm going to go build it now. Yeah. <laughs> Sell all my stuff and just build Dan's project. He's going to go on all the <laughs> land crab forums and see how everyone's lowered theirs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we should do. Uh, I should I should build Simon's Volvo four eighty. You can build my yeah. Land Crab, which means Simon now has to build one of your ideas. I've got yeah, to build well, the I... Tomato. I can't build the Volkswagen <laughs> because that actually was my idea. So if I built the Fugitive, I'd have been building my own car, and that's cheating. So I've got to build the Tomato. I feel like I might have no. got the raw end. 
Because I really don't don't know give, give me five minutes on um, on eBay. I'll come up with another idea. Um, uh, I just look at what's available and go, yes, that's what we need. Uh, <laughs> and then spend years trying to find out how the suspension works. You'll just All look right, at gentlemen. my latest illustration. That's what you do. Because I know that <laughs> I, do, I, I send over an illustration and you go, oh, now, I've got, now I'm looking at eBay for those now. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Where, that's where it all goes horribly wrong. There's too yeah. much inspiration out there. Um, all right, gents, thank you very much for that. Um, we will be back um, in the future um, with other stuff. I am enjoying the conversation, so if you enjoyed these conversations, tell us because we will do some more of them as well as more interviews and stuff. So thanks, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, Simon, for just being there. Oh, thanks. You're the best. Um, right. See you guys next time. Cheers. Bye. There we go. Right, I'm going to stop recording and I hope this saves. If it doesn't, Are you sure? I can't yes. remember what I said. <laughs>